welcome to today's episode of the Rock and Roll Research Podcast, where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Today is a very special day on the podcast because we're making our maiden voyage across the pond to the United Kingdom, welcoming our guest today, Charlene Adama, who has been in market research since even before she graduated college. She's currently the senior, senior key account manager at a European-based uh, market research loyalty and IT company called Valendi that helps its clients understand, engage with, and retain its customers. Now, despite a rewarding and successful career in market research, sometimes there's a passion, a talent that just has to be addressed. Uh, and that's definitely the case with Charlene, and I'll let her tell you all about it on today's episode. So welcome to the show, Charlene. Hi, Matt. Thank you for having me. I'm super Lovely excited. Oh, I'm super excited to have you here. The pleasure's all mine. So uh, so let's let's talk research. So how did you get in, how did you get into this uh, industry and and why did you stay? Well, I think uh, from speaking to certain people, it seems to be quite a common trend that a lot of people fall into research. Yeah. Um, and that was definitely the case with me. I was at um, college and um, needed a part-time, relatively flexible job um, because of sort of part-time casual hours. So I could book in on a weekly basis and I was working in a call centre on the okay. phone initially um, as a telephone interviewer. And um, then sort of I did that and gradually sort of was promoted to sort of supervisor position. Um, eventually then decided that, okay, I could actually do this research thing. It's quite interesting. And I came back from um, college, um, well, actually was going to university and I was there for the summer and I needed something to be a little bit more permanent, a little bit more stable. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, continued to work my way up, sort of incinerate. This is where I was initially. Okay. Um, finished university and that daunting situation where you're like, what am I going to do with my life now? <laughs> um, and sort of ended up staying um, in research. I left Cinovate and went to IFF Research um, as a project controller there. And then somebody at Cinovate that I worked with quite closely actually had a project manager, manager position coming up and contacted me and said, do you want to come back? Okay. Um, so I interviewed for it, got the job and came back. Um, and then I went to Dynator, um, where I was a project manager for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, giving away my age a bit if I say how long I was a project manager <laughs> for there. <laughs> couldn't, have, couldn't have been too long, couldn't have been too long. Couldn't, obviously not too long. <laughs> um, and then towards the end of my project management career at Dynator, I sort of for a while, I'd thought about going over to what people would say is the dark side of sales, um, just because of the relationships I had with the clients, and I thought that I would it would be a good fit for me. So at Dynator, I went over to the sales side um, mm -hmm. and um, did a year there um, as um, a key account um, manager there. Okay. And um, then I went to Belendi. So this is it's been a year as of last week. Um, that I've been at Belendi um, as a senior key account manager, as you said, um, yeah. loving it. And yeah, I think I've found my place now on the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, there's there's no shame. There's no shame. No shame. It helps the world go around, right? Just um, needed. And, and, 
and certainly an interesting time to join through the pandemic. So um, that's good. That's good. Excellent. So um, all this time uh, you're working in market research. There's this passion. There's this other thing. So tell us, tell us all about that, and, and maybe your your favorite uh, story from that experience. Okay, so my side hustle. Probably just speak a little bit how, about how I got into it. Um, you'll notice a trend here because I like research sort of fell into it. <laughs> I didn't even realize um, that I could bake. So um, as well as obviously being in research, I also own a cake company called Shah's Cakery. And I was on maternity leave with my first child. My best friend bought me a baking book and I started making some recipes for it because I had a lot of fun downtime maternity. Uh-huh. Um, obviously looking after a child is hard work as well, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> had a bit more time to bake. Um, and then realised I really enjoyed it and people started tasting my bakes and saying, how much would you charge for this? So me being me sort of saw pound signs okay <laughs> so it's pound signs not a dollar sign pound signs, um, <laughs> and okay so I could make a little bit of money from this on the side so um yes yeah, so I don't have to get myself registered and sort of have been doing it for about nine years now um I've been yeah doing Shah's Cakery and providing a wide range of cakes from I started off on cupcakes and yeah. um yeah, really simple cakes. Now I'll do sort of big corporate orders. I think wow. I've gone up to a six-tier um, wedding cake. And wow. Yeah. Now, how, how do you how do you squeeze that in? First of all, and second of all, do you do you work out of your own kitchen, or how does that work? Yeah, so I work out of my own kitchen, so I don't have a commercial kitchen um, because I do it on the side of um, my nine to five sure um I didn't really want to pay for overheads of a um commercial space so I still do it out of my kitchen which is um fun for my family sometimes if I have a really <laughs> big order on because the kitchen might be a bit of a state in between stages so <laughs> my husband sort of will walk in and it will literally look like a bomb has hit the kitchen if you come there say half an hour later you wouldn't know it had happened but at that very moment, it's crazy, like ice and sugar everywhere. And yeah, he's, he's not happy about it, but he supports me. He supports me. And I'm getting much better, actually, um, nine years later um, at clearing up as I go along. But if I'm really in, a, in the moment and just passionately doing something, I find it hard to sort of stop and clear up. But I just sort of right. get on to the next stage. But I, I am getting better. I'm improving because I'm trying to be considerate about those that I live with. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's I literally um, fell into it. But it's been doing really well. And um, yeah, happy now, I did make the step to start my own business now. That, that's great. Now, it sounds dangerous to me uh, because you have young children, right? So you're working on a six-tier wedding cake and you've got young kids running around have have you had any any close calls any adventures like that so my close calls wouldn't really be related to the kids to be fair they mm. they're really good um my daughter she's she would never she she's always sort of understood that you know cakes 
it's important. You don't go anywhere near them. You don't touch them. I keep them out <laughs> of the way. The they, she knows the rules. I keep them out of the way. Um, my son's a bit more reckless. So if he got the chance to, he would probably climb up onto something. And so I have to make sure that if I'm baking a cake or doing cupcakes or anything like that, everything is well out of his reach. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I don't know if I could quite he hasn't yet but I don't know if I could quite depend on um, him not to get curious and do it um <laughs> but I've definitely had other mishaps um none that I haven't been able to rectify thank goodness but um two probably stick out in my mind and um, there was one with uh, actually one of my really close friends 30th birthday cakes um he was having a, a massive party um in um a really lovely hotel and I was commissioned obviously to do his cake <laughs> while I was in the middle of decorating it it was on a sort a turntable that tilts okay. so some of them tilt so that you can add detail to the side of the cake more easily um, mm-hmm. as opposed to working on it straight on it's better if it's at an angle if you're painting or doing something um, so <laughs> while I was working on the cake, had almost finished it, finishing touches, done. Right. Um, the cake tilted on the tilting turntable and sort of <laughs> went into the side of something else. There was a massive oh, no. <laughs> um, The topper that was in it actually broke as well. Oh. So it was a really lovely personalised topper that broke. And I sat there and I just, I was like, I think I screamed quite a few times. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> My husband sort of came out like, what's wrong? Um, and I sort of had to call sort of his partner who was coming to collect the cake to say, look, there's been an incident. I'll bring it straight to the venue. Because there was also the added pressure of the fact I'm attending this event too. Um, she was going to pick <laughs> it up later. <laughs> She was going to pick it up and then I was going to go to the party later. I I had to just really sort it out. But I did. I sorted it out. And then I had to drive to um, the person that cut the topper for me because it was an acrylic topper. And she, luckily, I know her quite well when she remade it for me on the way to the venue. I had to go to her and pick it up. So that was really tight. Um, The other occasion, I was driving a cake in my boot. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And um, somebody ahead of me like slammed on their brakes just really suddenly, oh, um, no. and I just had that moment of dread in my stomach where I knew that the cake wasn't okay. <laughs> I sort of went around to the boot. I, I don't think I've ever taken so long to open the boot of my car ever, um, and the top tier had sort of slidden down. Um, the bottom tier of the cake it was unsalvageable. Luckily for me. Um, the event was the next day, so ah, I could take it okay. home. I actually rebaked the bottom tiers and um, sort of did it again. And yeah, that worked out, but it could have been a complete disaster. So nobody <laughs> has ever missed a cake from me. Yeah. And I'm hoping this never happens. <laughs> so <laughs> but far, you know, so I'm not good. doing too, the law of averages, I mean, I'm not doing too badly to have sort of two incidents in nine years. Yeah, um, but they were close calls. They were <laughs> well, it's it's amazing that you've you've been able to avert disaster thus far, like true disaster. So, so. <laughs> fingers crossed that it continues. 
So, so these two these two worlds are very different, right? Uh, potentially, market research, baking cakes. Uh, is there a common thread, or maybe lessons you draw from one that you apply to the other? I think that both of them sort of intertwine in terms of the lessons. Um, definitely being calm under pressure. because in both situations there can be things that don't go according to plan you know as I've just explained there were two situations there um or you know similarly a project that's not going too well right but sort of I often say in both situations no one's died (laughs) (laughs) perspective yeah it really does put it in perspective it's it's no one's died I'm quite solution driven and so far I've never had anything that I can't sort of come back from or that there's not a solution for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in that sense is the problem solving. Um, obviously the organisational skills as well, um, which is this age old thing. Oh, I've got great organisational skills, <laughs> but <laughs> you really do sort of yeah. need them to juggle both aspects of my life. And then even mm-hmm. with, when I am doing one of those parts, I need it a lot. Um, I need to right. organise the cake stuff, there's the stages, there's the invoices. There's, you know, I go from sending sort of invoices and quotes um, over in my day job to then doing the yeah. same sort of in the evening. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of crossover customer service. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it all sort of goes hand in hand. But just That's... one is obviously a bit more creative than the other so I get to have that creative outlet when I'm doing the cakes um and sort of maybe the more logical side of my yeah. brain um, for the um, day-to-day blending yeah oh that's great that's great so so you're a little bit of a guinea pig here right because you're the, the first UK-based uh researcher on this program yeah. um so kind of curious so we know a lot about what the trends are in the U.S. and maybe where research is headed. Do you have a perspective uh, on the future of research or what's important uh, from, from your perspective? Um, one of the things for me probably that I'm seeing quite a lot of, and I do think is important as well, um, is I think recently it's garnered more attention. It's just the voice of people so to speak um by that I kind of mean ensuring that everyone sort of has a voice regardless of race um sexual orientation um gender um and a lot of people before were sort of doing um, a lot of map rep studies without Mm -hmm. trying to be inclusive of or trying to ensure that they were reaching the basis that they need to to actually ensure they were representative because everyone's experiences are so different and if there are large portions of people missing from data um then there can be arguments you know as to how valid that sort of data is and I'm seeing a lot of people now pushing more um towards getting that um those people included um Mm -hmm. in the in the data I'm seeing a lot of initiatives and um yeah people really trying to sort of drive that forward at Belendi really recently sort of reprofiled our um panels to sort of include ethnicity and um and sexual orientation and I know that some other companies have done the same I hope mm-hmm. it's something that people will take on board and sort of follow through with because I think it's I think it's great 
Um, But I'm seeing a lot of that um, definitely sort of happening. And yeah, I'm hoping that it does go from strength to strength. Yeah, that's that's great. I think in my career in research, I thought that that's always been sort of a weakness of the samples that we build. So um, it's great to see that there's some focus on that. And um, speaking of which, you're sort of putting your money where your mouth is when it comes to that, right? So you, in addition to having a nine to five and baking and a family, uh, you are also a co-founder of a really cool and important organization called CORE in the UK. So why don't you tell us a little bit about CORE? That was quite a good segue. It sort of <laughs> linked in well there, didn't it? Um, <laughs> the, I guess the more my career progressed, I was sort of, I found myself sort of looking at the research world, so to speak. So events, meetings, parties, and um, just thinking that there aren't that many people that look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, at Quirks London last year, I had some conversations with um, different people that, and I realised that they sort of felt the same. Um, this continued at the Impact Show as well, MRS Impact Show, um, mm-hmm. in February last year. And once from speaking to these people, I realised that a lot of people had been having these different conversations amongst themselves about what they felt was missing from the research world in terms of the lack of representation um, of ethnic um, people from various ethnic back- backgrounds right. in the research world. Um, so one of the benefits of lockdown, I guess, was that it gave us time to sort of have a multitude of video calls and set up colour of research, so also called CORE. Um, mm-hmm. And it was me and Theo Francis, who works at Guinea Pig, Natalie Samuel, who's at Ipsos, um, Graham Ederhen, who's at Lucid, Melissa Gonzalez from Differentology, Bob Qureshi from IBU, Sia mm-hmm. Najumi from um, One Global and Tatenda Masasengwa from YouthSite. I remembered the whole team. So <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, did I miss anyone out? No, that, I've got everybody. Um, so we were sort of the co-founders of CORE and we decided to get together. Um, the mission statement sort of on our website is um, basically that our mission is to be seen and heard in an industry that we love, but we're currently underrepresented in. Um, so it's just that we love our jobs and we love the people that we work with, um, but we do think that need, more needs to be done to support people from ethnic backgrounds within the industry, just so they can fulfil their like, best potential. Um, also to try and encourage people from various ethnicities to enter the industry and also stay in it. Sure. Um, so we've had sort of, we had a nice launch event um, that happened with what the mentorship program. We too have a podcast um, where we speak Great. to um, different success stories um, within the research world um, from ethnic backgrounds and have a great website sort of full of resources. Um, should I plug it? Colorofresearch.org. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. um, so there's just so many resources on there, sort of information on how to be involved, how to be an ally. Um, and yeah, I'm really happy and proud to be a part of it. The um, industry's just really been so supportive of the start of CORE. Right. And I hope to see it continue. I mean, obviously there have been a lot of things to do with race relations. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the moment, you know, it's 
the in thing in a way um, to yeah. tackle diversity. Yeah. Um, and I don't want it to be a knee jerk reaction. I want it to be a thing that we continue to um, look into and strive to improve um, across the board and not just ethnicity. There's MRS Pride, who um, obviously focuses on the LGBTQ. Um, there's um, women in research as well, so WIRE. Yep. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think we're all doing great things to just ensure that everyone is seen and heard and supported. Yeah, it's a very welcome development in our industry. And, and I think it's here to stay uh, because uh, it serves a very important purpose. So, uh, so it's great. It's great stuff. So you mentioned the Color of Research podcast. Um, I'll link to that uh, when I post this. Uh, but are there, being that this is a podcast, are there other media sources, podcasts, blogs that you personally find inspiring or interesting or funny, something that you would like to share with others? So generally with podcasts, to be fair, whenever I listen to them, podcasts for me personally, it's like my downtime. It's like my escape from sort of anything else. So I listen to podcasts, not so much for information, to be honest, a lot of the podcasts I listen to <laughs> discuss a lot of really menial things. Um, but one that I love is the Receipts podcast. Um, it's exclusive to Spotify um, now. They started off on all platforms. But it's um, basically three women um, from London as well, or well, London and Essex, but in the UK, um, late 20s to mid 30s, and just discuss current affairs, um, their general views on things. They have an episode every other week called Your Receipts, where they do sort of a, an agony aunt, sort of answering dilemmas. Um, and I just, I resonate with it so much it's just I feel as if I could be listening to my friends right <laughs> um speaking and yeah I listen to that a lot I've listened to every episode um of that podcast it's a weekly thing um the other thing that I listen to you I'd be really surprised if you'd ever heard of <laughs> people look at me as if I'm quite strange when they realize that I do listen to it but it's <laughs> there's a um radio 4 BBC radio 4 has a series which they've had for years since way before I was born um called the archers the archers um, okay and it's sort of like an <laughs> a radio soap opera in a way um but it's like set on a farm the demographic of people that listen to it I'm sure are quite a bit older than I am sure um and yeah people are always really surprised that I listen to it but I love it I listen to every episode of The Archers. It's sort of an easy 15 minutes a day. Sure. Um, really enjoy it. Everybody needs an escape, right? That's great. This is it. And yeah, I really use podcasts as my escape and sort of my downtime. Cool, cool. That's great. So uh, this is the Rock and Roll Research Podcast after all, right? <laughs> um, so I have to ask, I have to ask. So I hope you have had a chance to think about this a little bit. So... You're stranded on a desert island. You have three records, three records uh, of your choice to keep you company for the rest of your days. What are those three records? This was so difficult. It's always and the hardest. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I've listened to some of your episodes and yeah, a few other people have said the same. It's so hard, so, so hard. <laughs> um, but 
and for me it was hard because I listened to a really wide range of things um yeah. but because it was sort of an album that's one artist right so I would listen to 90s pop I would listen to a bit of classical but I'm not going to listen to you know a whole collection of Mozart right <laughs> you know it'll be like the, the odd symphony that I prefer um but for me the first one which people anyone that knows me would probably be surprised about me selecting this one and it's a Destiny's Child the writings on the wall now they'd be surprised about that because I'm like the biggest Beyonce fan <laughs> so I think that they would probably think that I would select a Beyonce album rather than Destiny's Child yeah um but the memories that I have of that album right and like I can sing it front to back um including the Scared the starts, um, where they're pretending to be from the Godfather, everything, but <laughs> I know the whole thing and I see the whole of, thing. It's kind of um, old I've, I've brainwashed my daughter as well, so she now loves Destiny's Child too. Um, and yeah, that would definitely be one of them. Awesome. The other one would be um, Notorious B.I.G. Life After Death. Very nice. Now, I'm a massive massive 90s noughties hip-hop band <laughs> like yeah if a song comes on you'll be surprised about how many lyrics I have. <laughs> 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 so I like my husband like looks at me all the time what is wrong with you how do you know all of these song words where are you storing this all, all of this information who are you um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I love that album. Um, even more of a bonus that it's a double CD, it's a double disc. Um, sort of get two for one cheeky. Yeah, that's that's part of the strategy. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, anything sort of yeah, nineties, early noughties, bad boy label. Um, so yeah, Diddy's, who was then Puff Daddy, um, his label. Yep all of the artists on there but that album has a special place in my heart so definitely that one cool um and the other one might be a bit controversial because it's quite a recent one um mm -hmm. and it's by um Wizkid okay who's, um a Nigerian artist his latest album Made in Lagos um I've it was just released in end of October start of November that's but awesome it's I've, one of it's probably the newest newest release on this podcast. So go ahead. But it's just I listen to it and it just brings me so much joy. <laughs> I feel as if it's it's brought like so much joy to my lockdown. When um Spotify did um you know at the end of the year they do the rundown of your most listened to songs and I mean considering that album was released in you no know, I started listening to it in November uh -huh. it was in my top. <laughs> for the whole year of what yeah. I listened to on oh, Spotify. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It caught up quick. It really did. Um, and that just showed me sort of how much I listened to it. I can, there's only a couple of kids that, a couple of songs, sorry, that are parental advisory. So I can listen to it around the kids as well. Yeah. Just skip the words I know that <laughs> sort of aren't appropriate. Um, but a lot of it's just sort of feel good. I can listen to it with them and like, they enjoy it too. And yeah, it just, it makes me happy. So I think I would definitely keep um, that one too. But I mean, if you ask me this question next year, <laughs> I would probably give three 
different <laughs> albums. Um, but at the moment, <laughs> those are definitely my favorite. Well, well, maybe maybe next year around this time, maybe I'll have a chance to visit the UK and then I can get an updated list and then I'd love to hear you riff on some Biggie Smalls. So. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I would definitely, please. I mean, I don't know how people that know me would feel about me doing that, but I would do it. I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. Awesome. Excellent. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, Char. I really appreciate it. I'm very thankful that you're on the podcast. I'm sure people will enjoy this as well. Um, so yeah, I, I hope we have a chance to meet in person sometime soon once this lockdown is done. Uh, but for the meantime, uh, it's been a lot of fun and rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.